Latvia Weekly, your independent guide to the news in Latvia, with your hosts Otto Tabuns and Joe Horgan. Latvian Museum, and welcome at long last to episode 135 of the Latvia Weekly podcast. I am Joe Horgan here in Yelgava on Monday, the 9th of August, joined by Otto somewhere in Europe right now. Otto, where are you right now? So, hello, everyone. Hello, Joe. Uh, greetings from Switzerland, uh, where I am currently. Uh, so, um, uh, I have uh, enjoyed uh, some uh, work and also uh, some uh, uh, relax as well. Uh, so, after uh, a number of uh, book presentations, and uh, today is a beautiful day uh, somewhere between uh, the mountains uh, you would see on the sound of music. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the the hills are alive over there, as I as I hear. So I just want to apologize to everyone about not being able to record the last few weeks, really, at this point. So you know, we we, we weren't really planning on this. I mean, Otto and I were uh, planning on uh, you know recording actually a week ago. And what happened, you know, as as those of you who are parents know, you know, it, it's almost impossible to really plan anything with your kids, you know, so because um, my kids have been going to bed at, you know, seven or eight at night, you know, all of the previous nights. So I said, okay, Otto, you know, we can do it at nine. And he he planned out, you know, when he was going to be in a place with Wi-Fi and everything. Uh, but then that night, my, you know, kids just decided that they wanted to stay up until midnight. Uh, you know, so we just weren't able to do it. And then the very next night, my daughter came up to me, you know, my eldest daughter was like, Dad, you know, I uh, can you brush my teeth? I want to go to bed at seven. I was just like, you know, why couldn't you have done this the night before? So, uh, you know, and then it's just always uh, a lot harder to do it by ourselves. So, so we decided to just, um, you know, kind of like Saima, take, uh, take two weeks off. So, so this was our summer vacation. Um, so we have a lot more to talk about this week than we normally do. Uh, we will try to get through everything as quickly as possible because Otto also, you know, uh, is on the road still uh, with, with, with Olives, you know, our, our other uh, contributor. And uh, so, so we've got a lot to talk about, but, um, you know, there, there's a lot of places we could start, um, but I think, Otto, you know, one thing we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about, because it happened really, uh, you know, throughout the time that we, you know, we're, we're kind of away, uh, you know, we, we should talk a little bit about the Olympics, because that's, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be talking about a lot of uh, kind of less... Uh, <laughs> less uh, happy things, you know, throughout this episode, but, but that, that there, there's some nice things we can talk about with the Olympics. So did you, first of all, did you get a chance to watch any of it uh, with Olives uh, kind of when you were out and about through, through Europe? Um, exactly. We, we did, although uh, there was a lot of time that uh, we were uh, driving um, in uh, Poland and uh, Germany, uh, but uh, it still uh, was a chance uh, either to uh, listen in on a radio. Um, in some countries, uh, they uh, did broadcast that as well. And, of course, uh, uh, we followed the, the Latvian radio and the international television channels that also had the rights to broadcast the Olympic Games to, of course, enjoy the wonderful uh, achievements that uh, our representatives did in Tokyo. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of heartbreak. There was a lot of uh, happiness as well. I mean, you know, everyone was uh, just heartbroken when both uh, Alyona Ostapenko and, uh, you know, um, uh, Anastasia Sevastova, uh, you know, they, they both were eliminated from the tennis competition on the very first day, basically, uh, you know, both in singles and in doubles. Uh, that, that was a shock because, you know, people really expected them to, to do a lot better, especially since, you know, both of them are kind of uh, in kind of upswings in their careers right now. Uh, you know, so, so that was uh, kind of a, <laughs> a downer to start the Olympics with. But uh, after that, things got a lot better, wouldn't you say, Otto? 
Uh, exactly, and uh, indeed we uh, had the uh, wonderful chance uh, and uh, the opportunity was also um, used quite well uh, to get uh, a gold medal in um, uh, basketball uh, as well as another bronze, uh, which is I think uh, quite impressive uh, for a country which is usually more uh, productive, let's say, at uh, winter sports and uh, the Winter Olympics. Yeah, exactly. And that um, that gold medal, by the way, was in the Latvian men's, um, or I guess the men's 3x3 na- uh, three three basketball competition. That was the first ever gold medal to ever be won in a 3x3 three three, uh, basketball competition because it was the first ever year that that was included. So congratulations to Agnes Chavars, uh, Carlos Lasmanis, Edgars Krumic, and then also Naurlis uh, Miezis. So, so uh, you know, really bringing glory home and uh they were up against the Russian Olympic Committee in the final. So it was a very, very, very exciting uh, game. Unfortunately, I was out with my kids when it was happening. So, uh, you know, I, I met some friends later and everyone was talking about it. But, you know, I, I, I you know, went back and looked a little bit later. It was really, really amazing. Um, and then also congratulations to bronze medalist Arturs Plesniks, who won uh, in weightlifting. So he was in the men's uh, 109 kilogram event so uh really really awesome again you know like you said Otto, we're we are a small country um but you know we do pretty okay in the olympics i mean you know we won a gold and a bronze also in the 2012 uh you know winter olympic uh, sorry summer olympics also in the 2008 summer olympics we won a gold a silver and a bronze uh 2016 we don't have to talk about that that's okay but uh you know definitely uh n- certainly nothing to be ashamed of i mean you know i i think i think this is about as much as we could have possibly hoped for going into the olympics well there's Certainly could be more, but uh, I'm certainly uh, very proud about uh, my country in the Olympics because I once did a calculation and per million people we do have more medals than uh, most of the other countries, uh, including uh, some of the big ones. Uh, So uh, I think that shows that we indeed have the uh, talent for it and uh, uh, we also have to remember, especially for those disciplines where uh, the expectations were not fulfilled, uh, that there are many factors that lead to getting the Olympic medal and uh, you know there is also the time difference there's also the stress uh, these Olympic Games were also uh, quite uh, different as there were no spectators present and I know that in some sports it helps uh, so um, hopefully um, it will be possible um, for uh, some of the um, other representatives of uh, Latvia team to and achieve better results in the next ones but still I think it is a, a very good result and of course uh, it is uh, very nice that uh, the name of our country um, keeps uh, um, being presented as, uh, so well uh, in the world of international sports. Yeah so uh, you know that's that's a great way I think to kind of start things um, you know so for, the, for those of you who have not listened to the show before uh, what we usually do is uh, we go through all of the uh, kind of biggest stories of the week. So we go through you know, domestic stories and Otto talks about some, some international stories that are important to us here in Latvia, uh, you know, talk about the week in history. Um, but uh, definitely, I think it was kind of nice to, to, to start with um, <laughs> some, some, some happy news like that, because there's, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of not so happy stuff that we, we have to talk about as well. So um, I, I think, unfortunately, Otto, you know, as we have had to do for the last year and a half, you know, kind of, kind of halfway, basically, uh, you know, through the run of the show. I think we have to talk about COVID. What do you, what do you think? 
Indeed, um, unfortunately, it is still there and not going away. So let's discuss how um, Latvia is progressing with it. Yeah, it, well, it's certainly not going away, as you said. Um, so let's take a look at some numbers to begin with. So, you know, earlier in the summer, it seemed like we were kind of hitting a wall, like around 30 percent of, uh, you know, people getting fully vaccinated. So we are up to 37.21%, which are fully vaccinated. Those were the uh, latest numbers, at least today, that I that I saw. And, uh, you know, definitely that's better than it was. Uh, the worrying trend, though, is that still the amount of new people getting vaccinated is still not increasing. It's still been decreasing, actually. Uh, you know, we certainly we'll have to see what happens with, you know, because we're, we're going to get into um, some of the uh, ways that people might be uh, convinced into getting vaccinated in, in just a minute. So we will see if there's an uptick after some of those might go into effect. Um, but definitely, you know, not where we were hoping to be at this time, um, certainly kind of going into uh, going into the year. Um, and then looking at infection data. So here in Latvia, things are actually relatively great actually in, in terms of the amount of um of uh new infections that we're getting you know uh even with the delta variant going around so you know over the last uh you know month basically i mean going going all the way back to uh really you know the middle of june we've only had one day where there's been more than 100 cases that was on august 2nd and that was 112 cases you know we've been under 100 you know in, in kind of uh you know I mean, uh, 74, 63, 80, 70, you know, we, we've been around uh, those numbers for, for a consistent amount of time already. Uh, but looking at our neighbors, uh, so, so Lithuania, um, you know, they, they've been having around, you know, 300 to 500 cases a day for the last, uh, you know, close to a month or so. And then also, um, or at least for the last like three weeks. And then in Estonia, uh, further up, so they, they've been in the uh, 200s. And again, you know, Lithuania is the largest out of the uh, Baltic populations. Estonia is the smallest. Uh, but, you know, it, it's um, it's always worrisome because, you know, we, we, we look at Lithuania and Latvia when it comes to most things, really, kind of as a comparison. You know, when we compare, for example, our economies, when we compare our, um, you know, j j just about anything, because we do have uh, a big shared history together. We're similar-sized countries. You know, we're similar, uh, you know, we have similar cultures in a lot of ways. Uh, so, I don't know, Otto, I mean, do, do you think that uh, we, we have to be worried seeing what's happening in our Baltic neighbors and then also throughout the world, you know, um, with uh, the resurgence of uh, COVID, especially in America, uh, you know, with the Delta variant and, and, and elsewhere throughout the world, you know, do, do you think that we, that we have to be worried and maybe a little bit more cautious than we've been being? Uh, well, I think that we certainly uh, need to be uh, cautious, especially those uh, who have chosen uh, not to uh, vaccinate themselves. Um, and I think it will be uh, very important to see uh, what will be the government's response and uh, what will be the action taken uh, in advance of uh, September, uh, the time when many people come back from uh, their vacations and also um, uh, the youth uh, will return back in schools um, and assumedly in person. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, looking at some of the ways to get people more vaccinated, which is, you know, again, the, the worrisome thing about this Delta variant, now this Delta Plus variant that they're talking about that, 
you know, is becoming more uh, prominent in San Francisco is uh, these breakout, uh, breakthrough cases where, you know, people who have already been vaccinated, uh, you know, in large numbers are, are getting infected. And, you know, it, it's still kind of unclear uh, in terms of the numbers of uh, how, how serious the illnesses are compared to people who aren't vaccinated. I mean, it still seems that, you know, the pe- people who are vaccinated have a much, much, much uh, better chance of, of not uh, getting serious side effects, uh, you know, but but certainly it's, it's very, very transmissive. Uh, but in any case, you know, the, the government's uh, biggest hope and, you know, governments all throughout the world's biggest hope is, is to get as many people vaccinated as possible. One program, which we've talked about a lot over the last month, is this idea of a vaccine lottery. And uh, if you haven't, uh, you know, kind of been uh, listening of what's going on here, basically the idea would be to have various prizes for people who have been vaccinated. So this isn't just new people who are getting vaccinated. These are people like Otto and myself who have already been vaccinated. So the idea would be to put aside uh, taxpayer money and to have drawings on TV, just kind of like, you know, with a real lottery that, you know, you, you, you buy tickets for, you know, different kiosks throughout the country. Um, so, so anyone who's gotten at least one shot would be able to participate in, in this in this vaccination. Um, and uh, so, so there, there would be different drawings. Uh, you know, I, I won't go through all the numbers. I mean, you, you can look these up yourself if you're, if you're interested. Uh, but it is uh, 720,000 euros, which is being allocated to this. The Latvian Doctors Association uh, is not thrilled with this idea. They are more or less uh, categorically opposed to this. They think that it is a big waste of money that could be used uh, in much better ways to try to uh, try to get people uh, vaccinated and, and also just to <laughs> to go to the healthcare system, which uh, you know is is underfunded as well in in, in a lot of ways. Uh, so they they've come out against this, and uh, which has basically led to uh, on on August fourth. Uh, Saima or the Latvian parliament has decided uh, to um, basically postpone the the decision um, uh, on on whether or not they're going to uh, going to have the vaccine lottery. So, Otto, what what do you make of all this? I, I know that you and uh, Olaf have probably been following this from abroad. You've probably been uh, discussing this a little bit. Uh, what <laughs> would you agree with this take by the Latvian uh, Doctors Association that it, that it is a waste of uh, taxpayer money? Uh, and, uh, you know, do you think that this is going to go through Saima eventually or, or there'll be some other solution that they come up with? Um, it is, of course, uh, uh, interesting. We did uh, discuss that and it was also interesting to discuss it with some of the experts that we met on our way um, across Central Europe. Uh, on, on the one hand, uh, we are, of course, amused that we are also eligible for it because uh, on the one hand, uh, there is this aim to get people vaccinated. On the other hand, uh, there is also, uh, you know, uh, partially uh, the matter of equality and also partially uh, the matter for uh, the timing of uh, the government's idea on this uh, so that uh, it would not be uh, um, considered as uh, unfair uh, that all people who have been vaccinated um, would be eligible for that. So on the one hand, uh, you know, all of the people who would participate in this lottery uh, would already be vaccinated, so it would not really um, uh, cover those people who have done it yet. And of course, it is also the question of money, how much money goes into that and how it is spent. And um, I think that there is a consensus, well, maybe not a unanimous, but uh, from a lot of experts I have heard that, uh, well, it would be a question of whether that is the uh, best way how to achieve this because it is a rather a simplistic 
way because it is not based on the fact that people are better informed. It is rather the fact that there is some um, economic good that they receive out of uh, making a decision that uh, they may not even be uh, sure about uh, what it is. Uh, so it may be a quick solution in the minds of some people at the Ministry of Health. At the same time, it is uh, certainly not a wholesome uh, decision if we look at uh, the way uh, to have people uh, taking informed decisions about matters of their health. That's an excellent point. I actually haven't really, uh, you know, heard, heard that being raised before. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure it has. But, uh, you know, it, it's like when, you know, when we learn classroom management or when I teach classroom management, you know, it kind of gets into this idea of, uh, you know, when you're teaching children or, you know, when you're raising children, you know, do, do you, you know, try to teach them, you know, go go the harder route of, you know, virtue is its own reward and, and uh, you know, get them to understand why they do the good things that they do or, you know, do you just kind of train them, you know, like like animals kind of to, yeah. to do the right thing and, and get like some kind of yeah. prize, you know? Well, because mean, it is easier to bribe them, but uh, do you want to have that, you know, as a, uh, you know, a formula for dealing with them? Yeah, you know, but but I mean, you know, I've I've been talking with friends about this. I mean, this is a serious problem that we have right now, and, and this is way deeper than the, just this single issue about COVID vaccines. You know, people are becoming more and more skeptical of you know public health regulations, and you know, as we've talked about in the show, a, every year, uh, Latvian teachers are required to have a chest X-ray because of uh, you know potential tuberculosis, uh, and. You know, it's it's something that people have never really questioned before in the past. It's just something that we have to do every year, and 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 that's that. But you know, are we going to see a trend more and more of people rejecting these kinds of measures? You know, like for example, the the the, the mask that we've seen, the big protests against that. Uh, you know, we have to think a little bit deeper. You know, in terms of just this kind of single tactical issue. You know, what what strategically are we going to do to regain people's uh, trust? You know, in 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 public health again, because because this is. You know, again, as far as pandemics go, you know, COVID is not as bad as it could potentially be. I mean, you know, hopefully it's not going to get much worse. But, you know, um, I don't know. We, you know, we, we, we have to we have to think really deeply about this long term, you know, and, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, I totally agree with you, Otto. I think I think we have to uh, really get to the root of the problem and not just, uh, you know, be, be, be trimming the branches and, you know, trying to trying to get the numbers up. So. Yeah, and it is interesting indeed. Um, also, just to, uh, one uh, another thought that I wanted to mention. Um, I had the chance when I was in uh, Berlin uh, to see some of the protests against uh, the vaccinations and this um, uh, possible uh, mandatory or recommended vaccination of uh, some groups of the society, such as uh, uh, children uh, or like people in certain um, spheres of our work. And um, uh, what I also discussed uh, with my German colleagues was that on the one hand uh, there is a genuine uh, misunderstanding of uh, the, the vaccination or the aims of the uh, uh, health specialists um, as indeed it is um, the developing and the knowledge about it is also changing. On the other hand, it is also uh, a way how to uh, express uh, dissatisfaction with the government. And I think that is also uh, very uh, well the case in part of the protests and the refusal to vaccinate uh, in the case of Latvia. Uh, what do you think, Joe? Yeah, um, well, you know, th th this actually... Uh... <laughs> 
This actually leads into our uh, kind of our next story. I mean, I, I agree basically with everything you know you just said, and I, and I want to point out that you know th- this is something we're seeing in in Latvia as well in terms of these protests. Uh, you know, in here in here in um, you know Riga. Well, actually, I'm not here in Riga. I'm in Yelgova. We didn't have any protests in Yelgova, but uh, but in Riga there were. A uh, few hundred people who who did uh, you know gather in front of the uh, cabinet minister's building, and then also in Liepaja, uh, there was something you know l- less than a hundred, but uh, you know still a significant amount of people also in Liepaja as well. Uh, you know, definitely we didn't see the same kind of scenes that you and Olives probably saw, you know, and, and certainly saw you know on 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 TV and everything in in, in Berlin, some kind of the more uh, you know less peaceful protests that uh, that you saw, but. Uh, you know, and, you know, the, the interesting thing is, you know, just the kind of coalition of people who are coming together, you know, so, so this, the, for example, um, this particular rally in Riga, um, you know, was uh, originally organized by Aldous Gobzims, who we've talked about many times, the uh, opposition uh, member of parliament who, uh, you know, famously kind of uh, made a uh, big um deal with uh, wearing the, uh, you know, Star of David um, very, very uh, offensively trying to compare um, public health measures to the Holocaust in some in- insane way. Uh, but uh, but there was a lot of different people here, you know, some some people who, uh, you know, were more f- narrowly focused on the issue of teachers, you know, not needing to be forced to vaccination. Some people were against vaccinations in general. Some people were against, uh, you know, just uh, obligatory vaccination. Some people, you know, were, <laughs> you know, j- just opposed the idea of COVID even being an issue in the first place, you know, and, and you know, like I had, you know, the, the pandemic, uh, you know, kind of worldview going. So, um, you know, it, it's, uh, I, it, it, it's hard to understand what exactly to make out of all of this. Uh, but, you know, there, there is this, um, you know, just kind of growing movement, which we're we're, we're seeing more and more of all throughout the world. Uh, you know, that that rejects the mainstream view of uh, of medicine and is skeptical of uh, you know not just public health, uh, but also mainstream medicine in general. Of uh, you know, big pharma, as as we hear very often, uh, and um, you know, is uh, unfortunately being manipulated by some bad actors. You know, as as we've seen. Uh, you know, um, which, which I, I know you've been following very closely, Otto, as a, as a security expert. You know, there, there's some bad ac- uh, actors who are uh, definitely uh, manipulating this in, in various ways uh, to further their goals. So, of uh, course, yeah. I so I, I I don't I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we 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 had this uh, rally. You know, we had the ones that you saw uh, in in Germany and, and elsewhere throughout the world. I mean, you know, do do you think that we're going to see more? like this once we get closer to the school year and, uh, you know, these potential, um, you know, uh, regulations are going to go into effect? Uh, I think that uh, indeed it could be the case and uh, it is connected not only to the school year uh, but also to the political cycle as elections are coming up, uh, not only in Latvia but also in a number of other European countries. Uh, well, for the United States, it is uh, probably a, a bit more time uh, than that, uh, but um, uh, I think it will be connected and uh, there are political points uh, that can be gained by some out of. Certainly, yeah. And I just want to mention that in America, the elections never end. I mean, we're already talking about 2024, so it's just a, an endless uh, nightmare of, uh, of an election cycle. It's just, just never, never, <laughs> ever, 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 ever ends. 
Um, yeah, well, you know, one, one, one thing, uh, <laughs> speaking of public health officials, so uh, Uga Dumpis was on TV, uh, sorry, he was on Latvian radio, uh, and, you know, he's kind of like Latvia's version of Dr. Fauci, I guess, you know, he's the uh, top infectologist who uh, advises the government and also, you know, does uh, media outreach, he, you know, he does interviews and everything. Uh, he said, basically, you know, the, the, the translation would be that it would take a miracle um, to get uh, more... Uh, people vaccinated, a, a high proportion of people vaccinated, you know, in um, the amount of time that we want. So, you know, it's it's not um, it's not uh, very encouraging that you know th this this is a uh, you know our, our our kind of top guy when it comes to this issue, and you know he he has this very uh, pessimistic view of this. Uh, I I I don't know. I mean, you know, we we are going to you know start to see uh, these. Um, uh, these uh, mandatory regulations potentially go into effect, you know, where, where different um, uh, sectors such as the healthcare sector, the education sector, uh, you know, um, might, you know, uh, where, where uh, vaccines are going to be mandatory uh, to work. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't see where this goes. I'm, I'm very, very pessimistic about this entire situation just in general, especially the long term. Uh, I don't see where we are, heading in, in a good direction. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can try to, um, make me feel more positive about this auto. Can, can you, can you, can, can you make me more optimistic in some way? Tell, tell, tell me, tell me something, uh, some, some kind of, uh, I don't know, good variant, some kind of, um, you know, potential roadmap out of this, uh, kind of just quagmire when right now where, uh, you know, people are exercising their constitutional rights to make bad decisions. Well, uh, people are always uh, exercising their constitutional right uh, to their own uh, self-interest and uh, hopefully a uh, um, key element of uh, this exercise uh, will also to uh, achieve um, and maintain uh, good health and also um, obtain an environment that they are comfortable um, uh, living in. Yeah, I don't know. Well, let's just leave it there for right now because I'm I'm just going to be depressed if we talk about uh, this particular issue more. But uh, some one one piece of good news. So this was at the end of July. Uh, so the Moderna vaccine has been approved for uh, use for 12 to 17 year old. Um, I guess children, teenagers. I I don't know what to call them anymore. I mean, I, m I remember when I was like. 12 to 17, I didn't consider myself a kid anymore, but now that I'm, you know, in my 30s, I <laughs> basically do. Uh, but anyway, so uh, this is now the the second vaccine to be approved for this age group after the um, Pfizer one. So, uh, you know, still no um, word on whether or not this could become a mandatory vaccine for for children. Um, that That's not the plan at this point. It's still uh, mostly just uh, the talk is about for for teachers when it comes back to getting getting school open again, but uh, definitely nice to see that there are more options uh, available. You know, because you know, at least initially, one of the big hurdles to getting more people vaccinated was people didn't want the AstraZeneca vi uh, vaccine, which uh, was heavily invested in kind of to a fault at the beginning, um, and and there definitely were. Um, an increase in numbers after people had a choice between which vaccines they they wanted to use. So, um, you know, hope, hopefully this can improve the situation there a little bit. Uh, any anything you want to mention about this auto? And hopefully uh, this decision works and contributes to the resolution of the situation. I think we all want it to uh, get back to normal as possible. 
Well, speaking of those vaccines that nobody wanted, those AstraZeneca vaccines that nobody wanted, I, I got one and I was totally fine. I, I you know, I, I had a fever for, you know, two days, but 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 after that, you know, it was definitely better than uh, getting COVID, uh, you know, because I've, I've had some friends who've gotten COVID and that was not a fun situation. Uh, but these uh, extra vaccines that were not used, these AstraZeneca vaccines have been uh, delivered to Tunisia now. So, so um so those were 50,000 uh, doses of AstraZeneca that were sent to Tunisia, and then uh, more in the tens of thousands could be sent to, uh, or, or, or planning on being sent to Moldova, Kenya, Albania. Uh, and, and the big reason behind this is because they do have an expiration date, and it makes no sense for you know these vaccines to just expire in a warehouse where there's other countries which are very needy in terms of vaccines, you know, don't have the same uh, you know, financial ability to uh, acquire them as Latvia does, as other EU countries do. Um, and there are also plans to potentially uh, donate some of the other vaccines, which are um, going to expire uh, later in the fall as well. Uh, so not just the AstraZeneca ones. So, you know, we, we, we've talked about this before, Otto. I mean, you know, this definitely makes sense. I mean, it's nice to see you know, a, a practical solution here, you know, some kind of solidarity, certainly, instead of just letting these uh, rot in a warehouse. But uh, but any any thoughts on this one? No, uh, indeed, you are right. Uh, and I think it is now also a, a common practice among the uh, richest and uh, most developed countries, uh, to which Latvia also belongs in comparison to most other countries. And um, that is a way how to uh, deal with the problems outlined uh, by uh, different um, uh, representatives of the United Nations and of other international organizations, uh, so that uh, it would be not only some parts of the world, but indeed the whole world that could come out of uh, the pandemic as soon as possible. Well, the school year is starting soon. So just as a reminder, the school year starts on September 1st here in Latvia. It is a national kind of holiday every year. Uh, so, you know, it's it's very easy to remember because, you know, when, when I was growing up in America, uh, the beginning of the school year was kind of different every year. Sometimes it was, you know, the beginning of September. Sometimes it was the end of August. Uh, you know, right now I'm, I'm hearing some, you know, schools are already going back in America, you know, for, for various reasons. But uh, that is always officially the 1st of September here in Latvia. And it's been very unclear, you know, what exactly is going to happen? Uh, you know, how, what is the plan? And the Ministry of Education has officially developed their plan uh, based on four principles. Okay, so there's there's four major principles about um, the, uh, the the school year. So first of all, um, it is based on on uh, so so in person education or klotiene, uh, as we would say in in Latvian. And previously. Whether or not the school would be able to continue in person was based on the municipality that they were in. Okay, so this was back when we had 120 uh, or 119 municipalities throughout the country. We have much less than that now due to the territorial reform. I can't remember the exact number that they ended up with because it's it, it actually it's changed, uh, <laughs> you know, within the last few weeks because uh, of some court cases. But uh, but something around 40. Uh, so. It's no longer based on the municipality that they're in. It is now based on the institution itself, okay? So even if, say, for example, you know, Riga once again becomes a hotspot of COVID, as it almost certainly will due to being a uh, densely populated city. So, so if the uh, situation is okay in the specific school, okay, so, so if the epidemiological situation is okay in the specific school, regardless of Riga in general being a hotspot, you know, for example, there's, 
parts of Riga which are very uh, sparsely populated, you know, certainly out in the suburbs, for example. So um, they would be able to continue in person if, uh, if in the school the, the, the situation is better than the uh, municipality in general. Um, and then also uh, the uh, director of the school, or the principal of the school, um, will be able to have uh, quite a bit of leeway in terms of uh, making decisions about about the education process so how to how to organize that uh, when it when it comes to uh, you know having to for example do, do distance learning or you know and, and that's and that's not um, really that different than it has already been because you know I talk to colleagues from different schools uh, both you know in the city and in the country uh, every school was doing something completely different uh, when it came to uh, distance learning I mean in general, I mean, you know, we, we were all following the state guidelines, but some people, you know, had a very fixed timetable where, where the lectures were happening. Um, some some schools were giving students just, you know, the work to do and, and having live lessons, uh, you know, certain times of the week. You know, so so uh, so this will kind of continue this um, policy of, uh, of giving uh, a lot of leeway. And then also, um, you know, another major principle is um, the mandatory vaccination and only those who... Are, uh, are vaccinated are going to be able to uh, meet students in person. So that is kind of the major plan uh, that is going to be looked at by uh, the government kind of in the next few days. Uh, what are your thoughts about this uh, proposal, Otto, about these guidelines for, for bringing school back to the classroom? Well, I think it is very important that they are uh, well planned out and uh, it takes, um, uh, you know, um, in uh, action because um, I think it is very important for uh, the school children to come back uh, to school uh, because uh, here uh, the main constitutional principle is the right to education and a key element of that is also the quality of education so that is the uh, primary aspect that uh, the government should be thinking about and also the primary aspect what the schools should be thinking about and hopefully that will be the case. Yeah, well, uh, we will um, definitely see kind of what, uh, you know, recommendations get made to that, what what changes, what amendments can be to that. Uh, we will definitely hear about that uh, very, very soon uh, once that gets looked at. But, um, you know, we, we've been hearing a lot about the possibility that um, you know, a number of teachers might leave uh, due to you know needing to be uh, needing to have the mandatory vaccination. I mean, I can just say that I personally know some teachers who are very serious about um, leaving teaching in general if they uh, do have to have the mandatory vaccination. And uh, the the Minister of Education, this was already a while ago, um, you know, was was interviewed about this. Uh, you know, she believe that there was only going to be around a thousand teachers who were going to leave, um, you know, because of uh, the mandatory vaccination. My very unscientific estimate is it's probably going to be a lot more than that. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, because if, if there are a significant amount of teachers that do leave, I mean, every single year anyway, Otto, I mean, every single year before the school year, you know, we talk about how there's the shortage of teachers going into the year. Um, this is going to make the shortage a lot worse, obviously. So, you know, we, we'll have to see what happens there. And then, you know, she commented on this uh, survey that was done by the uh, Latvian Teachers Union, of which I am a member of, full disclosure. And um, she, uh, 
you know, her, her, her comment about this was, you know, that she wasn't really sure what um, the, the, the union was trying to achieve. She thought that they should be focusing more on trying to communicate with teachers and try to get them vaccinated. Um, my comment <laughs> as a teacher, as a member of the teachers union, you know, I, I understand her point about this, but I think also that should be the Ministry of Education's job is to try to communicate with teachers and, you know, try to get them vaccinated. I mean, for, for one, ex- so teachers, uh, you know, within three years, they have to have 36 hours, you know, which are, you know, not necessarily like calendar hours, but they're like 45 minute academic hours of, uh, you know, professional development courses, you know, uh, so and these can be in a number of things, these can be in languages, these can be in like computer skills and everything, you know, I would love it if you, they started offering, you know, uh, kind of on mass, these uh, you know, professional development courses specifically about the vaccine, you know, not just about the teacher trying to get them convinced about the vaccine, but just to help them understand it in general, because, you know, they're going to be communicating with students. And, you know, it, it would make sense because we have to go to these courses anyway. I mean, we have to have 36 hours of them, you know, within within three years. Uh, so, you know, that would be a very easy way uh, to motivate teachers to to maybe go and, you know, those who are on the fence, not the ones who are, you know, posting, um, you know, conspiracy theories about, you know, Bill Gates and the, you know, teachers chat or anything like that. But you know, the ones who are kind of on the fence, you know, that would be, I think, a very effective way to communicate with people instead of uh, just blaming the union. But anyway, that is uh, my my biased opinion as a as a union member. Uh, Otto, what, what do you think about this uh, kind of situation here? Uh, well, um, I agree that it is primarily the task of the government, uh, specifically the Ministry of Education and Ministry of Health, uh, to uh, communicate uh, with uh, people who are undecided about it, uh, especially if we talk about those sectors uh, who would be uh, required to uh, vaccinate as a precondition for continuing their work. Um, at the same time, um, if we talk about the general uh, right to demand uh, such obligations, uh, I would say that uh, there is uh, the, I think that there is the right for the uh, ministry to to require that also to require uh, getting back to uh, learning in our presence and uh, on the one hand I would probably not expect um, the ministry and the union and the teacher to go on a, a clear uh, a, a clash between uh, the two uh, in the sense that oh we will do this uh, one way or uh, leave because indeed it, w- it would be then very problematic in addition uh, to the general <laughs> crisis that we have uh, besides that uh, but at the same time uh, I think that uh, this general requirement will stay and uh, there is already precedent to that, so like you mentioned, the uh, check on tuberculosis. Uh, uh, you know, it is not exactly clear uh, all the aspects uh, in relation to the vaccine. At the same time, it is clear uh, what harm are, you know, x-rays do. Uh, and the same goes with public catering and uh, some of the vaccines uh, that are uh, mandated, for example, for uh, children. So uh, I'm not sure that uh, um, any um, applicants would uh, win uh, against these restrictions uh, at the constitutional court, but there is certainly uh, ways for uh, the teachers to uh, pressure ministry of uh, doing more. 
Um, also, one uh, way for this to develop could be that uh, the regulation uh, to vaccinate comes into force. There are teachers who leave and then uh, the ministry is um, obliged uh, to raise the salaries. Uh, because if we talk about the shortage of teachers, it is not because of the fact that there are, uh, aren't enough uh, people who would be qualified to do that. It is, um, as always, uh, the question of salaries, uh, the, the same as goes for, um, you know, um, uh, picking berries and uh, doing uh, all kinds of different jobs that we have discussed on the show uh, where you have had the complaint from employers uh, about the shortage of uh, people who work, should it be uh, more or less qualified uh, jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, for people who might be leaving, uh, one option would be this new school that is being set up, uh, this distance learning school that is being set up by a number of opponents of uh, COVID restrictions. So this uh, is being called Vislatvius Vidaskola. Uh, this is an initiative by actually um, uh, one former colleague of mine from uh, the Tava Colossae program, uh, Martin Schoolbist, and also uh, one businessman, Arvils uh, Pe um, Pekules, and, and then also uh, Lelda Juka. Um, and uh, they are planning on setting up a distance learning school that would be uh, available kind of as an alternative to um, the current system. This would be a, uh, a private school. Uh, it is something that's being looked at right now by the vault, uh, by the state um, you know, education quality service. Uh, and they're going to be looking at the documents that have been uh, sent in. But, you know, uh, there, there's been a number of uh, news sources that have done some digging into, uh, you know, the, the foundation of the school. And it looks like, um, you know, the rhetoric that is being used um, to promote it, you know, is certainly a very um, kind of anti-globalist, uh, you know, kind of conspiratorial um, <laughs> You know, a, a set of rhetoric. So um, it'll it'll be very interesting to see, kind of, um, you know, if this actually happens, if this initiative goes into effect, uh, you know, what, um, you know, what, what what this will actually look like. Well, if we talk about uh, the, the certain anti-globalist movements and the objectives that they're pursuing, that is a different matter. But if we talk about, uh, for example, a, a, a school that would provide its services uh, for uh, unvaccinated uh, people by unvaccinated uh, people, then, well, in my personal opinion, I would not see that as a problem as long as everyone uh, is informed that that is the case. Uh, at the same time, you could similarly open cafes for uh, and buy people who um, um, do not follow the regulation or uh, public health in that regard. Uh, as long as you would have information on that. I would, of course, not use any of those, but, um, uh, you know, perhaps that could be a way to show um, that, well, there is choice, but at the same time that that kind of choice may not be so popular because even if uh, we have had a number of cases, and I also know um, at least three cases like that, um, uh, you know, you would have um, uh, children uh, who have uh, brought back uh, the uh, virus and uh, this has uh, led, for example, for their um, parents or grandparents dying. So. Uh, well, if people want to choose that, you know, that is their problem. But that uh, would certainly not be the choice for me. Yeah. 
well, we'll have to see if that uh, actually goes into effect because, you know, you know, there's always different plans like this that, you know, get made. But uh, setting up a school is a very, very complicated thing. Uh, but uh, one last kind of COVID-related thing before we finally move on to some other things. We, we've been talking about COVID uh, just horrifically long because, unfortunately, there is always so much to talk about. Uh, so the Riga Marathon will be happening this year on August 28th and 29th. And the plan is to have three different uh, kind of um, ways to start. So they're uh, based on three colors as usual, um, or two colors and then just like virtual. So um, one one possibility for people who are vaccinated um, and uh, also, you know, for people who have a digital certificate because they have um, overcome uh, COVID previously, so they can use the green start. So that is when, um, you know, the kind of traditional start of a marathon where, where people are together in one group. Then there is a yellow start for people who have uh, paid for a, uh, a COVID test and has come back negative. And then uh, this will um, be uh, be set up in different uh, kind of um, individual, uh, you know, starting times so that there's not a big amount of crowding as there tends to be in marathons. And then there's also a virtual uh, marathon for, for people who, um, you know, do not want to uh, have the test or also just don't want to go there and, and do it in person. So... Um, you know, Otto, I, I know you and Olives were very disappointed last year about the, you know, Riga Marathon being canceled uh, twice, basically. You know, you, you had been training for that. Um, what, what, what are your plans for this year's uh, Riga Marathon? Um, you know, will, will you even be back in Latvia for, for, for the Riga Marathon? Uh, uh, yes, I will. We will. And uh, hopefully uh, it will be possible to participate in it, um, especially if uh, uh, you would have, uh, I, I think it, uh, well, Riga has enough of space to um, uh, uh, make a marathon happen with all the restrictions being uh, followed. So uh, hopefully the organizers uh, will be able to do that kind of job and I look forward to participating, uh, especially if all the uh, participants have uh, valid uh, COVID certificates. Uh, it uh, should be a, a sound way uh, how to go forward with it and of course uh, for those who can run and enjoy running, uh, that is also a good way how to increase their fitness and also uh, that gives a, a good uh, bonus uh, to the health and immunity as well. I think that just about does it for COVID. Um, you know, we, we have quite a few other stories that we want to talk about, but we will have to do it a little bit probably briefer than usual because we don't want this episode to end up being two hours long. Uh, so shall we jump into these other domestic stories, Otto? Well, let's do that. Okay. So uh, first of all, kind of the big non-COVID, non-Olympic thing that's been discussed over here. This is a thread that we've been talking about for quite some time already on the show. And this is the potential of making a constitutional amendment to define what family exactly uh, is because you know we, we had a court case uh, which ruled in favor of a lesbian couple uh, previously because uh, there, there was no um, clear definition of what constitutes a family in the uh, in the constitution there there is a um, amendment that was made uh, about a decade ago or no actually half a decade ago I guess um, which uh, um, made it clear what uh, marriage was so union between a man and a woman um, but this amended constitution would add, that uh, so the state 
shall protect the rights of a child, including the right to grow in a family based on a mother, woman, and father, man. The state shall protect the rights of parents and their freedom to raise children with, according to their religious and philosophical beliefs. The state shall provide special support to children with disabilities and parents who care for them, children who have been left without parental care or suffer from abuse, multi-child families, and mothers and fathers who care for children without the other parent, okay? So that last part is certainly not very controversial, I mean, because there's very few people who are opposed to uh, the state giving support to, uh, <laughs> you know, people with disabilities or, or um, you know, uh, people who suffer from abuse. I mean, that, that, that part is, uh, you know, not the controversial part. The controversial part is specifically about defining a uh, family based on uh, mother, mother, father, man, woman, uh, you know, and there's been a lot of discussion about this. So the... Uh, you know what, what's happening right now is that there's uh, signatures being collected to, um, you know, ha have this uh, uh, constitution, specifically Article 110, this constitutional article, be amended. Um, so, so Otto, you, you know, maybe you can comment on the process on that in just a second. But uh, you know, th this kind of goes with the overall kind of discussion in society about LGBT issues, and uh, you know, it, it's. A very, very uh, tricky, tricky issue, you know, which people, um, a, a lot of people, uh, you know, feel pretty strongly about uh, one way or another. Um, and it will be very, very interesting to see if they do actually get the uh, required 154,868 signatures, which, uh, you know, would make um, uh, this uh, officially uh, sent to to Parliament. Um, but, but Otto, so how, how would this work if this if they do collect the amount of signatures necessary. So what would be the kind of next steps on this? So uh, they have uh, quite some time uh, to do that. Uh, we have had uh, similar initiatives uh, before, uh, for example, with regard to the uh, language of uh, instruction in schools and uh, other issues. Uh, at the same time, uh, it is also important to know that this threshold for the number of signatures that have to be uh, collected um, has uh, increased uh, over time, uh, especially in the last decade when it was raised uh, to this uh, specific uh, level. Uh, so um, uh, once uh, it is uh, the case that the signatures are uh, collected, uh, then uh, this uh, proposal uh, would uh, go to the Parliament. It is partially similar uh, to uh, the way how, for example, uh, Manabals works, but the difference uh, there is that uh, for the uh, initiatives that uh, are uh, signed for at the portal Manabals, Saima is not uh, obligated uh, to look at them at all. Uh, so it could also just uh, not consider them. Whereas uh, the procedure that they are using uh, in this case, uh, there uh, the parliament is uh, obligated uh, to uh, look at it and uh, uh, vote on it. Well, certainly there will also be, um, uh, you know, analysis by the relevant committee um, that uh, consists also of uh, the members of the parliament and also the administration of the parliament, uh, but then it will go uh, to Saima. Uh, it will not happen soon, but if uh, the agitation for this issue is big enough, we could indeed uh, see that being uh, decided by the parliament. You know, I... Um... 
I've seen a lot of discussion about this on Facebook and in other places. I mean, you know, there's it's a popular discussion, you know, just on discussion shows, you know, also on, on TV and the radio, you know, something <laughs> to talk about that isn't just COVID and, you know, the vaccination issue. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of what I've been seeing from some of my friends is just, you know, is this really the biggest issue we have to worry about right now? You know, there, there, there's a lot of issues, you know, that we that we have to deal with right now as a society, you know, is uh, excluding LGBT people from, you know, more rights than they uh, already don't have, uh, you know, really the best use of our time and energy right now in the middle of a global pandemic, you know, with, with other uh, issues looming. So uh, I don't know, you know, it, it, you know, I, I don't know if... Um, you know, maybe you can comment on this, Otto, but, you know, I don't know if the kind of sentiment uh, that would be, you know, kind of in favor of this is as strong as it would have been, for example, 10 years ago. You know, I, I don't know if people are really going to be motivated to go out and, you know, e even people who, you know, might not be, uh, a, you know, proponents of uh, increased LGBT rights are going to go out of their way to, you know, kind of sign this and make this happen. But I don't know, what, what do you... Uh, what do you kind of predict about the chances of this, um, you know, uh, moving further and getting the uh, necessary signatures? Well, uh, they do have 12 months time, so um, uh, they would have enough time to, to get the signatures. And um, also, it is now easier than uh, it used to be previously because it is also possible uh, to uh, sign for them electronically, uh, which means that you do not have to go, for example, to the uh, House of Culture, uh, as it was uh, the last time I remember. Uh, the, such a collection of signatures happen or to similar uh, places around the city uh, or uh, the place you live, uh, it is also possible uh, to be done electronically. So there is a higher chance than usual with initiatives as such. Uh, at the same time, um, uh, we'll see whether this will be a big enough issue in the coming election and uh, whether indeed people who are pushing for this uh, find that this rather than other issues is the most important one um, because uh, indeed there is controversy in Latvia with regard to LGBTQ um, plus rights. Uh, at the same time, uh, the issue that some conservatives take with alternative models of family is not shared by so many in uh, our society because we would have a number of alternative uh, models of families such as uh, single parent families, uh, also uh, the arrangements where you would have uh, the different uh, relatives living together, for example, a single parent uh, with their child and let's say um, the, the, the grandparent of this child. There are different arrangements uh, that would uh, come under the definition of family, both in the uh, legal sense and also in economic terms. So uh, I'm not so sure that it will be so popular as uh, the proponents of this idea uh, would um, think. Um, it is also important to know that well, they want to amend the article so that it states that uh, uh, that uh, there's a union uh, between man and woman. Um, the marriage is defined as uh, something, uh, as this legal instrument, the legal instrument of marriage. So family based on marriage, blood relation or adoption. Well, if we talk about marriage, then uh, I'm not sure that they have consulted, for example, someone who knows something about uh, EU law because what they will do with people who get married in other European countries and then come and live here 
will they treat them differently than under this law? Uh, if, if they haven't figured this out, then I would see um, a number of international law problems um, because uh, it, it could be a, a problem, uh, if uh, not necessarily a legal one, then certainly a political one. So we'll see how that goes, uh, but certainly apparently for some people this is the biggest issue and we'll see whether uh, the rest of the society shares their concerns. It would be nice to live in a world where this is the biggest issue, uh, you know, in our lives, uh, whether or not, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, people have, people have this right, you know, this is, um, I don't know, I, I really just cannot get in the mind of people who uh, are so obsessed with uh, taking away, uh, you know, rights from people that, uh you know they they need to go out and do this, but you know um, we'll we'll see we'll see how they do. Um, let's go through a few stories pretty quickly. So uh, first of all, there was a major bog fire out uh, kind of close to uh, the kind of north uh, west of um, Sigwalda. This was in um, the uh, Peme um, uh, swamps, and this is now part of the uh, Sigulda municipality, which is much bigger than it used to be. And this was a fire that raged from the 26th of, um, or at least it was discovered the 26th of uh, July. And finally, it was put out just a few days ago on the uh, 4th of um, uh, August. So good work to the firefighters who in charge of this. I mean, putting out a peat bog fire is extremely difficult uh you know as we've talked about before you know we, we had a major fire that we were covering uh, i believe it was last year on the show you know which uh, really it took until the kind of rainy season of uh of september to really officially kind of uh squash because it, it you know they they burn underneath the ground because you know peat is very 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 uh flammable so um you know it, it's it's helpful certainly that uh you know it's been a little bit rainier lately you know definitely we uh, the heat wave is over which i'm very very happy about so um you know but uh definitely continue being careful in the forest in the you know swamps that you're in anywhere um you know because uh it's still always possible to start a fire by mistake so any 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 thoughts on this one otto well, let's be very careful because as we see, it is not only something that we see in other countries, as we have seen it unfortunately in the United States and in other places. So it has become an increasing problem also in our country, uh, a country that, may I remind, has more than half of its territory covered uh, in forests and areas such as that that had the fire. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we've got a bunch of transportation-related stories in a row, so let's go through them pretty quickly. Um, one interesting one, uh, you know, this, so this is more for you, Otto, uh, being in Riga. So uh, Riga Satiksme, uh, the uh, public transportation firm in Riga, uh, is planning on a major modernization project, uh, which would uh, basically uh, use 300 million euros from the uh, EU Recovery and Resilience um, uh, uh, facility to, uh, to to make a kind of major modern improvements, um, you know, also environmentally uh, friendly improvements. So this would include uh, better connections with public transit and the rail network. Um, so, you know, for example, you know, we think of Riga Central Station as kind of the major train station in um, in Riga, but there's also a number of other ones in different parts of Riga. You know, there's uh, Tornikons on, you know, which is kind of the major one on the uh, Pardogova side of the river. Um, you know, also uh, Zematani, which is under the Zematani Bridge, uh, you know, and uh, Vagwona Parks. You know, so there's a number of rail stations throughout Riga, uh, they're not very well connected with the, you know, existing public transportation uh, system. So there would be uh, uh, plans to 
uh, improve that situation, potentially buy uh, trains that are um, uh, battery powered as, as, as well, um, you know, which we've talked about previously as well. Um, so, you know, a lot of um, potential, uh, you know, also just improving the uh, stations, you know, so, so the, um, you know, the uh, putting in, uh, you know, better elevators, uh, things like that. So, so a lot of, a um, lot of kind of uh, plans, but uh, I guess it's been criticized also just in terms of not having a clear strategic uh, vision and, and for these plans to also be very kind of fuzzy, you know, and, and we've seen big plans for all kinds of aspects of transportation follow through before because they don't have the uh, kind of clear, um, you know, project written out in a way that, you know, the, um, that, that, that follows EU guidelines. And we've, we've actually lost quite a bit of, you know, potential grant money before and, and opportunities to make improvements um, for, you know, just kind of poor planning reasons and, and uh, poor implementations of these programs. So what do you think, Otto? Do, you, do we have a better chance of this kind of potential major program to go through and, and we'll have a more modern, um, you know, public transportation system uh, sometime in the near future? Hopefully that will be the case. Uh, if our listeners remember the analysis that we did on the party programs, then for all of the parties who are in power in Riga right now, uh, transportation was a key priority, um, including the matters of accessibility and uh, infrastructure. Uh, so, um, and it also goes hand in hand with the priority of the government, uh, which uh, shares. Um, uh, most of the parties that are in power in the capital city, that the uh, train transit should become the um, backbone of the passenger um, um, uh, travel. Uh, so hopefully it is the case. Well, they certainly have enough time for that. As you, you know, the Riga City Council uh, this time has uh, one more year than usual. Um, at the same time, uh, it will be then the matter of whether they are able to get enough money for it and also manage uh, those obligations with the ones that they already have uh, on the account of their uh, previous management. Mm -hmm. Well, another uh, kind of new form of uh, transportation that we might see specifically on the Daugava could be a water taxi. So there was this... Um, uh, competition for different ideas about what could be done on the coast of the Daugava. This was um, uh, a uh, initiative of uh, Niels uh, Balgalis, who is a uh, city planner, and uh, one of the um, winning initiatives, one of the winning ideas was uh, this idea of a water taxi, which um, you know could could go, uh, go go across the Daugava, which would be very very interesting, um, you know. And you know, we, we we've heard also you know the potential of maybe having a ferry uh, from uh, you know Bolderaya region to to the center of town, which could also you know cut down uh, transportation time for people who uh, unfortunately have to take number three bus and you know uh, kind of stop <laughs> every every few meters. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think this would be very, very cool. I mean, I, I, I would like to take this. What, uh, what, what do you think, Otto? Uh, indeed, uh, if we look at the history of Riga, then for most of its history, um, uh, travel such as this or similar to that uh, used to be the backbone of uh, travel in Riga. So using boats and other uh, uh, vehicles that uh, travel on water uh, to connect uh, the sides of the city because you, you used to have the pontoon bridge and uh, the first permanent bridge um, 
uh, across River Daugava uh, that uh, came about only uh, in the second half of the 19th century. Uh, so uh, I think it is an uh, unused and uh, forgotten uh, opportunity and hopefully uh, that will be uh, a turn back uh, to our reality and our lives uh, during uh, the time of, of this term of the City Council. And water transport is not important only in Riga. It's actually much more important outside of Riga uh, and, you know, internationally, for example. So, you know, we all know that there is, uh, you know, ferry service between Riga and uh, Stockholm, but there's also ferry service uh, and expanded ferry services being planned between Ventspils and Sweden. And the town, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Otto, maybe you can... uh, Ninasam, Ninasham. So, so some Swedish listener, please uh, let let us know uh, if I if I've butchered that by mistake. But um, so so this would be uh, so so these these are um, the uh, ferry company Steneline. So they are uh, expanding their their service between Sweden and Ventspils, and uh, so uh, additional ferries are being deployed for both uh, passengers and also for cargo that can be transported back and forth, uh, which is definitely very, very exciting. Uh, you know, I, I think I think it's exciting to see this uh, being expanded. And um, I, I don't know, you know, we, what, what, uh, what do you think, Otto? You know, do you think this will uh, be a boon for Ventspil's development, or is this not going to make that much of a difference, do you think? No, uh, I think it will be a general uh, boon for uh, the uh, connection between Latvia and Sweden and also for the Latvian economy and also for the choices that Latvians uh, have in uh, either going as passengers or moving about uh, their uh, cargo. Uh, you know, uh, some time ago uh, you asked me, uh, Joe, about uh, why, for example, some uh, freights um, are not um, uh, uh, shipped, let's say, from uh, Tallinn to Riga over the sea and rather by lorries. And we discussed that, that uh, whereas shipping is cheaper, um, the, um, the car goes faster because the uh, road is shorter and uh, the infrastructure is good. Uh, so uh, similarly, if uh, there is a better and faster alternative uh, to use the route between Latvia and Sweden over the sea, then I think uh, it will uh, bring benefits to the uh, service users uh, who would alternatively use, um, let's say, uh, airlines or, um, uh, let's say, uh, railways or uh, some other modes of transportation that go either on air or on land. So I think it is uh, very good news. Well, uh, ferry or water travel is hardly the only way the Latvia is connected with the rest of the world. Rail travel is one of the backbones of transportation, not of just people, but also of cargo. And one major initiative, which we've talked about ad nauseum on the show, is the Rail Baltica initiative to connect the three Baltic capitals together and also with Western Europe's high-speed rail system using European gauge, which is a different size than the Russian gauge, or, you know, that, that's the name that gets used, um, that uh, that is used throughout most of uh, Latvia. So um, some, some major updates here. So first of all, uh, very interestingly, there was a um, survey, there was kind of a geographical survey of the uh, area where they're planning on building a new bridge across the Riga, uh, the Riga Daugava, the river 
Daugava. Um, so, uh, so this is uh, in the Daugamale uh, region. And they did a, um, a survey mainly to check to see whether or not there's unexploded uh, ordinances or you know, other types of bombs that might be under there. Uh, but they found apparently like a Soviet-era compressor. They also found this uh, strange plastic pipe that was crossing the Daugava that they weren't really apparently sure what that was uh, there originally for. So um, at least there's work going on up there. It's good to hear that things are moving ahead. And there was also a 200 million euro tender for various materials, which I will not go into. But if you are a fan of rail, you can go on the Rail Baltica website and uh, read more about that. But the main upshot of that is that the pl- project is continuing. You know, it is. Uh, it has been going very, very slow. Uh, but um, you know, there there is hope that you know, like I said, uh, you know, maybe by the time my daughters graduate from high school, uh, <laughs> we will we will be able to take a trip on the Rail Baltica, and, and hopefully much much sooner than that. And Otto and I also promise to record an episode on Rail Baltica um, once once it's finished, don't we, Otto? Exactly. I look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, speaking of uh, one kind of last transportation-related story, um, we, we've talked about this before in, in Yelgova. When I, when I came to Yelgova, I always thought that it was going to be much quieter uh, than, than Riga was, but uh, we, we have these obnoxiously loud uh, motorcycles, and, and really, I mean, the loudest ones are these, like, scooters that the kids ride on. You know, one, one good thing, you know, we complain about electric scooters all the time, Otto, at least they're quiet. You know, could you imagine if these electric scooters are just, um, you know, I, I think actually, I, I think I hate these, I, I, I hate these, um, you know, little, little motorcycles or scooters or mopeds or whatever the heck you want to call them way worse than the electric scooters because people will drive them at like two in the morning, wake up my kids. You know, I, I just want to scream at them, you know, that they, they have to put, you know, my, 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 my daughter's to sleep now. Uh, so there is a plan, at least in Riga, um, to, to put a, a, v, a noise control system, uh, and uh, th- this was something that the um, uh, director of the road infrastructure uh, department, uh, so over at the Ministry of Transport, was uh, talking about on TV. Uh, so, so this uh, plan is going to go into effect. So uh, th- this will um, uh, in- involve having uh, different zones of, uh, of, uh, of, of noise being uh, analyzed and then also um, uh, different um, check systems that are going to be put into there. So I really, really, really hope that this is something that gets uh, implemented also here in Yelgova. You know, I, I don't want to be one of these like annoying, nimby old people who complains about the noise. You know, it, like, I mean, you know, if it, was, if it was a loud like club where students are hanging out or whatever, you know, like across the street from me, that's one thing. But just these obnoxiously loud motorcycles that you, people just put a muffler on it. I mean, come on. You know, but people like I don't understand why people just enjoy destroying their hearing and just, you know, probably being deaf by the time that they're 40, you know, and, uh, you know, also these people who just blast music, you know, there I live on the fourth floor and I live next to an intersection and there's these cars that will be at the intersection waiting for the uh, light to change. And their music is so loud. It sounds like it's blasting from my stereo on the fourth floor. And like my door will be closed sometimes. I have no idea how these people, and maybe the reason why they're playing their music so loud is because they can't hear anything anymore. You know, maybe, maybe that's the reason why they have to play their music so loud is, 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 is because they've already destroyed their hearing over years and years and years. So anyway, I will be very happy if this uh, <laughs> noise control program uh, goes into effect and if it um, actually uh, achieves something. Uh, but uh, I don't know, Otto, what, um, 
<laughs> What's your take on this? I, I, I guess I kind of went into a little bit of a rant there. No, uh, I agree uh, to a large extent. It is indeed annoying, and that is a disturbance of uh, public peace, especially during uh, the night. There all already would be uh, legal mechanisms uh, that would allow to prosecute that, uh, only hopefully now uh, the police will be better equipped uh, to do that uh, because... Uh, they, indeed, uh, there is no need uh, to ruin uh, mine or your sleep or the sleep of uh, many of other of our listeners just because some people uh, have found that as a way how to compensate for some other shortcomings they may have. Mm -hmm. Well, um, we will move on from that. I don't think anyone wants to hear uh, old, old man Joe complain about uh, the loud kids anymore, but... Uh, real quick, in Yormal, there was a very interesting story that uh, I haven't really heard any follow-up on in either you know the English Latvian media or the Latvian you know Latvian media. Maybe you have auto, um, but there was a bunch of uh, municipal police officers, and you know, so so there's uh, state police, which are all throughout the country. There's different state police, uh, I guess barracks would be the English term, um, and then there's also local municipal police who who deal with more kind of administrative things. Well. In Yormala, the uh, significant number, around 20% of the uh, police force in, in the city, apparently, this was right at the end of uh, July on the on the 28th, were reported to have left uh, specifically over um, the uh, management under their uh, chief, Uldis Beninch, and, uh, you know, were... Um, you know, they they had a number of uh, complaints about him, uh, about uh, not being paid for overtime, about uh, issues with their vacations not being approved, um, just you know, uh, different things about their uh, cars that they you know had to drive apparently. Um, and uh, I, I haven't heard a development on this. I, as far as I've seen, he is still the the chief of police. The uh, executive director is uh, of the uh, you know municipality is still behind him. Apparently, and uh, I, I haven't heard if these officers have come back. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what the current situation is there right now. But, but uh, very, very interesting that this uh, that this came up. Um, I don't know. Have, have you heard anything about this, Otto? Uh, indeed, when I was uh, going on the road, um, um, I had to drive a number of hours, and um, I had the chance also to listen to Latin radio. So it was reported that uh, um, the um, uh, council members uh, will establish uh, um, a working group to uh, evaluate whether the claims uh, put forward by uh, apparently one-fifth of the um, police precinct uh, um, will um, uh, will have uh, some ground as it is claimed and we'll see whether some uh, action will follow because uh, on the one hand uh, indeed we have a shortage of uh, people who work in police uh, at the same time we have seen that in uh, some certain parts of uh, the police and law enforcement there have been uh, issues um, for example, um, uh, with uh, people who either are sitting there in uh, a long time in their places and uh, perhaps also some uh, relics or antics of the work culture uh, that is not accepted 
anymore. Uh, so it, it is uh, a lot of uh, stress in a job uh, like that at the same time. Uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, there are uh, requirements not only with regard to the objectives of the work, but also uh, with regard uh, to the way how you treat the people that you work with. So hopefully uh, this uh, the working group and the investigation will show uh, some, some result. Otherwise, we could indeed see uh, the police people uh, going away and Yurmala having a trouble uh, having the law enforced. Well, we will uh, keep an eye on this and, and, and see what develops here, but that's a uh, very good analysis. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to uh, to explain that for me because I, I really wasn't able to, to, to find a very good explanation of this whole of this whole issue. It's probably because I was not listening to uh, the radio. So so thank you, Otto. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, couple last quick little stories. Uh, one very happy story I can report on. So we've been talking about for years uh, implementing some kind of bottle deposit or uh, packaging deposit system. Uh, finally, that is going into effect uh, next year on the 1st of February. And one major development. So Rimi has stepped up the plate and all 132 Rimi stores throughout Latvia are going to have uh, these, um, you know, we, we have them in America. They're basically like kind of like these big, they look like vending machines and, and you put the bottle in and it kind of goes like, I loved doing this as a kid because, you know, you, you put in a plastic bottle and it gets like crumpled up and everything. And it's just so satisfying. Uh, you just have to be careful not to put your hand in because then uh, <laughs> that's a, uh, that's a quick trip to the hospital that you need to make. But, uh, and uh, so this will be a, um, a 10 cent bottle deposit uh, is, is, is the plan. And uh, also this, um, this company that is uh, being, um, set up uh, to to operate the system. They're they're apparently talking also with uh, LV, Mego, Citro, so some other major uh, supermarket chains throughout the country. So uh, this is finally happening. I don't know. I'm 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 happy, Otto. I mean, you know, it's it's been talked about for years and years and years and years, and uh, it's uh, it's 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 good to hear that we're we, we finally uh, gotten somewhere on this. So uh, any any thoughts? Uh, exactly. I think that uh, it is indeed um, a great step in solving one of the problems that we have in Latvia, especially uh, by uh, seeing that all uh, non-recycled uh, matter um, being uh, found like in forests and uh, around the environment in different uh, places uh, partially because of uh, uh, some uh, traditional behavior but also uh, because of the way how um, omnipresent uh, is um, uh, the, um, the variety of goods made out of plastic and everything so it is very good that these big uh, chains are going forward with this initiative so that we would have a nice environment to uh, live in because the, the problem is not so big in other European countries, especially the ones that I uh, just had the chance to see between 13 cities. Uh, so hopefully this will be a solution for this big problem that we have in our country. I think bribing people to uh, not litter is going to be more effective than bribing people to get vaccinated. So, But we, we will have to see. I'm, I'm, I'm all for this. So bad news for people who use electricity in Latvia, which is uh, most of you listening. Uh, so you are going to have a significantly higher bill uh, eventually. So, so, th so the new tariff that's going into effect by uh, Latvenergo, uh, which is the major uh, provider of electricity throughout the country uh, for the wide majority of people who uh, use electricity, it is going to go up by around 50%. And this depends you know, on, on a number of things. So some people will be a little bit less, some people will be uh, a little bit more. 
Um, but uh, this has specifically to do with the cost of natural gas. Uh, and this doesn't mean that uh, electricity prices are going to go up immediately. Um, you know, right at the you know right in August for people because um, you know usually people sign a um, a longer term contract. And but the but the next time around, uh, just be aware that your prices are going to go up eventually. Um, and uh, you know, it might might be something you want to start planning for and 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 looking into, you know, and and um, and uh, you know, uh, kind of get a better idea about this. But uh, and the prognosis also is that the prices are not going to go down in the in the near future. So, you know, I, I think I think we're going to have to get used to uh, higher electricity prices for a while. Um, so, any any thoughts about this auto? You know, might this kind of uh, push us to maybe uh, look at more seriously alternatives to uh, natural gas, which is a uh, major way of producing electricity here in Latvia? Well, I do not think that we will find uh, an equivalent alternative to natural gas, but perhaps uh, one aspect that could help this is when uh, the Baltic electricity networks uh, become connected with the, uh, um, the rest of the European electricity networks and we uh, out of the uh, network we have together with Russia and Belarus and join the European one so that there would be uh, more opportunities uh, to have uh, alternative uh, providers of um, electricity because as we know uh, the, the infrastructure uh, is separated from the electricity service and it is possible to already uh, choose a number of uh, providers of uh, electricity. Well it is also partially dependent on the uh, north pool and other sources, major sources of where the electricity comes from, uh, but uh, hopefully uh, this will bring, uh, uh, you know, ideas for change not only with regard to our behavior, but also so that we would have um, alternative uh, options um, in the way of the electricity provider that we have. So, um Auto, auto is in a bit of a, a time crunch right now, so we are going to finish up with some international and uh, wor- uh, week in history. Uh, so, so Otto, can you take us through, um, you know, what's been happening throughout the world that is relevant to Latvia, and also uh, finish us up with uh, with a week in history. Uh, certainly. So if we talk about the uh, most important international stories other than the Olympics that we discussed earlier, uh, that is of course the uh, situation uh, with the um, migrants and refugees uh, across the border from Belarus. And this has been an increasing issue uh, for Lithuania, uh, which has seen approximately 3,000 uh, people, uh, mostly from uh, Iraq, uh, traveling to Belarus and then um, entering Lithuania. And uh, this has to a, a smaller proportion, but has become also an uh, issue at the Latvian side of border. Uh, one way of uh, how this has been partially dealt with currently was that uh, apparently there was uh, negotiations between the European Union and Iraq, and one of the results of these negotiations has been that uh, um, Iraqi authorities have uh, stopped uh, the direct flights between uh, the Baghdad and uh, Minsk, uh, meaning that this uh, flow uh, of uh, people uh, has been uh, stopped. Uh, we'll see whether uh, this will uh, continue in an alternative way, uh, but uh, we can see this as being one of the uh, major uh, stories if we talk about uh, the, the uh, big issues that we have on our borders. 
Well, thank you very much, Otto. Um, you know that that that's a story that we've been you know, taking a look at for a while, and we'll uh, definitely uh, continue looking at. But uh, Otto, can you uh, very quickly take us through the the week in history? So, so what happened uh, this week in Latvian history? Uh, certainly, uh, the, one of the most important dates of uh, this week uh, to remember is August the 1st of 1914, because that is the day when uh, World War One started, and uh, it actually uh, started, um, uh, you know, uh, um, also involving uh, Latvia, because Latvia at that point was part of the uh, Russian Empire uh, for a little bit more than 100 years, and uh, so one of the first acts of the war was when Germany declared war against Russia and at that time the border between uh, Germany and Russia was just uh, south of uh, what today is Palanga and um, uh, it was the case that uh, Liepaja, uh, the city that we also mentioned before, uh, was uh, a major uh, naval port and uh, it uh, suffered one of the first shots of uh, the German uh, Navy um, in their um, invasion of what we know today as territory of Latvia. Um, and indeed, for most of the war, uh, we saw um, a different uh, variety of hostilities in our uh, in the territory, what later became uh, our uh, country. And um, uh, partially, uh, the World War One and the uh, departure of uh, these two empires uh, paved uh, the way uh, for Latvia to uh, fight uh, and win its independence uh, in 1918. Well, thank you very much, Otto. And I know you have to continue your travels right now. Uh, wh wh where are you heading to next right now? So uh, next I'm uh, going uh, back uh, to uh, Germany and then uh, going to uh, Czech Republic uh, to uh, meet uh, the uh, other experts and colleagues uh, that we have had uh, in our uh, cooperation at the Baltic Security Foundation. So, But I'm glad that I had the time to talk with you and still uh, pick up uh, what has uh, been happening in our country as well. Certainly, and thank you so much for taking the time. I'm sorry I um, made you run a little bit late. Uh, so, so next week, hopefully, we will be able to, um, to, uh, to, to find a time a little bit easier to come together. But uh, thank you all also for listening to our take on the uh, news uh, and current events here in Latvia. If you've not done so already, you can uh, like us on Facebook to get stories of the day every single day. Uh, uh, thanks to Kian, who is uh, doing an amazing job keeping that going. And uh, you please subscribe to our podcast and tell people about it if you think that they might be interested in hearing about what's happening here in Latvia. And until next time, everyone, visa labo, visa. Visa labo.